0: We've got some Super Nintendo World news from Japan, Universal Orlando Hotel updates, and... Only 38 days until Disney World reopens! That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James, and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave the same place he's been for the last 10 weeks. Silently waiting, planning, wondering if it really is true that the spicy pickles at Disneyland have actually improved since the last time he's had one. The man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. Yeah, I'm here. Each week, we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. All right, Henry, I got another, I got another uh, hot take for you. All right. Really, it's a hot take question. Shoot. Matterhorn bobsleds. Ride or skip? Well, uh, last time I tried to ride it, I, it
1: was terrible. Uh, so, I mean, if you're of larger size, I say, skip it. Uh. Because yeah. uh I mean last time I, I mean I just couldn't fit in I mean I used to ride it before they changed the seats and now they have the individual seats and now I don't fit. So I would say skip it if you're if you're of uh of larger proportions, so over like about six three, six four, uh you probably wanna skip it. Um but if you're of regular proportions, I say ride it. It's still, I mean, it's, it it comes down to comfort. I mean, it was, it was so bad. I mean, I was scared for my life at that point. I mean, literally, because they, I wasn't even sitting in the seat at the time that, uh, you know, they, I couldn't get the, I couldn't sit in the seat. My my knees were in my chest, so I could barely breathe. And because uh, my feet couldn't fit in the little slots on the side. And they just basically like buckled me in and let it go. And like every time, like we hit some kind of bump, I would drop down a little bit, which was like hurting me, hurting my back. It felt like I was pulling a <laughs> muscle each time.
0: Yeah. And it,
1: again, I could barely breathe because my. My knees so so super uncomfortable, It's super unsafe. And I was surprised, uh, you know, that they let it go. I mean, they should have stopped and let me get off. Uh, I was even telling them like, I need to get off and they just let it go. So, um, <laughs> it
0: was not a pleasant experience <laughs> in this case. Henry Hull like uh, hanging out halfway from his ride vehicle. Ah! I mean, it was like
1: my, uh, my butt wasn't even in the seat i it was like my f- butt was like six inches from the seat i was like surprised that they didn't like do anything They other they just basically buckled me in and the whole time like i like i was like in a lot of pain so it was not not a fun experience
0: yeah uh, i i mean so full disclosure uh, this is this is all from another discussion that's uh been happening over at my Instagram at Adventures in VR. Definitely check it out if you like uh, Disney nostalgia and just Disney ride experiences. But uh, yeah, I posted something about Matterhorn and basically offered it up. Rider skip. Definitely a split response that I've received. Um, I think I'm, uh, me personally, I'm kind of with you, though I do, I would say that regardless of your size, it is a very uncomfortable ride. I mean, it is arguably one of the most uncomfortable experiences that you can have at, uh, at Disneyland for sure. I mean, you know, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about the submarines and we were talking about Utopia last week. Um, Those are both uncomfortable for sure, but you know, you're not, you're not going and, and, going to be just broken after riding either of those. You definitely, if you, uh, you know, if you're not like a teenager or in your early twenties anymore, um, like I said, it's just, it's a, it's a bone breaker. Uh, so it that specifically might not even have anything to do with size as much as just kind of age and maybe flexibility. But I agree if you're if you're taller. I'm six one, um, and I have a very difficult time getting my knees in the in the cars. I definitely banged up my shins pretty bad trying to uh, trying to squeeze in, and you know it's definitely definitely one of those rides that like has its place in history and is nostalgic and i would certainly never say you know uh skip to someone that hasn't ever been on it i think it's it is one of those rides like you gotta ride once right i think it's kind of comes i mean really you
1: there's some rides that you know people who are you know they make a lot of like these uh roller coasters than anything uh for the average size of 5'10. So uh I think when you start getting to a certain size, you know, you're just not going to fit. I mean, it's it's unfortunate and it's it's very frustrating cuz I mean, there's nothing more embarrassing than them actually stopping a ride to get you off, which has happened to me a couple of times and uh, right. different rides i mean given uh i think uh just like something I have experienced with like older roller coasters, there are definitely like old roller coasters are a lot uh rougher yeah. uh so it's that doesn't necessarily surprise me so much. I mean, I've been on other roller coasters for sure that are really rough uh because they're old and it 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 does make it uh uncomfortable afterwards, but I would still ride them. This is more of a case of like I you're just not going to fit. And if you can't if you don't think you're going to fit, I mean, they should have kind of I've been on rides where they've actually had warnings to say hey if you're over this height uh you're not gonna fit or you it could be really like uncomfortable i wish they would actually put that warning on uh the matterhorn so that you actually go into it and aren't surprised or you wait in line all day and it's like you get in there and it's like wow this is potentially dangerous like i mean the way the the ride is set up like like i said my feet wouldn't fit in the little slots where your your feet could fit where are supposed to go i mean i guess they didn't like take into account like somebody might have a size 15 shoe or something that made a oh, weird fit. flex man that is a weird flex
0: <laughs> so
1: uh but i mean it's you know they didn't make unfortunately i mean initially it did i did fit on the ride and yeah it was bumpy it's definitely a bumpy roller coaster uh but it's it's fun to see the like you know to take a ride through it uh but unfortunately at this point i don't even try to get on it anymore i had uh we went with a friend one time and he's taller than me and he doesn't even bother. He didn't bother to try to get on the ride because it's just, you, we just take for granted. You're not going to fit. And if you don't fit, it's going to be, you're going to have an uncomfortable, you either going to be embarrassed because they're going to have to get you off or you're going to be in a lot of pain and not fit. I would say deserves a warning. <laughs> at
0: this point. <laughs> and, and so, right. Totally. Yeah. And what you're saying, I totally buy because like I said, I, I even have a hard time fitting. So I have to imagine that, uh, you know, once you start getting significantly taller than me, it gets even worse. But again, man, I, you know, it is, even if you are, so you're saying that it's a, it's a bumpy experience. I'd say that is putting it very, very mildly, like it is beyond a bumpy experience. You are getting like yanked and jolted and your neck is getting, you know, bent in all sorts of directions. Like it is the whiplash express to be sure. (laughs) And there are plenty of smaller people that do fit in the sense that, you know, they don't have a problem getting into and out of those ride vehicles that complain about how Bumpy and just uncomfortable. The general ride experience is so. I, I think you know. It, regardless of what the what the reason is, I mean, it. I think it's it. It is like it's just an uncomfortable ride experience. It's just what you're signing up for. Um, well, so. the
1: only reason the only reason I say it's it's an uncomfortable experience is that I've had far worse when I was smaller so it's like yeah you know i didn't like i mean literally i think was it uh i want to say it was at uh, great america which is over in santa clara i went on their roller wooden roller coaster and i was i was like i must have been about 10 so i definitely was not as as big as i am now so i fit comfortably on the ride and i remember getting the biggest bruise i've ever gotten because it turned suddenly at the end and i had like it must have been like uh, like a a six to eight inch bruise on my side because it (laughs) whipped that side and i like and i don't bruise easy and i this is just it was so painful. So right. That's why I say this was like mildly uncomfortable, just because I never got any actual like physical bruises uh on this ride when when, it, when I when I sat properly in yeah. it. It was just it but it was definitely like you know, it felt like you needed shocks on that ride for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh and to be sure, like you're I guess you're right. It could be worse. But uh, it, it, I mean, I'm struggling to try to think of a ride experience at Disneyland that is more just generally uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, it is, like I said, it, it really isn't a class of its own. And the interesting thing too, you know, you were talking about the older cars that were um, that were wider, right? Now they're kind of one per row, really just kind of a single line of people and before it was two seats in each row uh
1: it was like well you it was bobsled style so you sat between people's laps so technically if you if you weren't riding with somebody else you didn't have to have somebody else between your legs so you actually got more leg room oh that's right it was
0: like it was the lap system yeah yeah Uh, but I felt like, and and so maybe the issue is the cars, but I definitely felt like it, uh, it wasn't as bad there in terms of it just being a bumpy experience. Like it was, it was tolerable. It definitely wasn't like smooth, Mm. like, uh, like maybe you would describe, you know, the current space mountain, but it's, uh, it was definitely a much better experience. So in, in a strange way, like the refurbishment actually made it worse, the switch to, Mm. The uh, the single ride vehicles kind of makes it worse. I don't know. Single person ride vehicles. Apparently, that is that is the problem. Perhaps, but I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like if you can make it happen. Uh, you know, if you're not if you're not a super tall individual and you can kind of at least fit into the car. Uh, you know, without breaking your kneecaps off. Uh, And you haven't ever ridden it. Like, I do think it's, you got to ride it at least once. It is one of those, you know, his first tubular roller coaster ever built. It is, you know, one of those Walt Disney classics. You have uh, a classic Walt Disney story of it where they had that big mound of dirt in the middle of Disneyland and we're trying to figure out exactly what to do with it. And Walt is off filming a movie in the Alps and sees the matterhorn and sends a postcard to the imagineers saying like hey this is what i want built and uh and that's what they did they made that so it's like you know even though it's 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 been refurbished many times since it's no longer the same uh, matterhorn that it once was it still is like one of those iconic disneyland attractions that you know if you can experience it once you you probably should at least once oh yeah uh, then then never then never again <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's
1: definitely something that you should check out once if you can uh safely and then uh and then probably at that point go on to ride the the better roller coasters big you
0: yeah. know, big thunder mountain yeah for sure definitely a much better experience uh smooth as butter <laughs> But uh, the interesting thing, too, about Matterhorn is that it is the same manufacturer that did Disney World's version of Space Mountain. And it's funny because when I rode that version, I mean, a while ago, this was years ago, I also had a very similar experience where I was like, man, that is a really uncomfortable ride. Like the, the track system just doesn't feel very good. And, and uh, you know, if you haven't ridden both it's the track system is a little bit different at uh, at both Disney World and Disneyland. Uh, Space Mountain at Disneyland is is a wonderful experience. It's just super smooth, you know. It definitely is. You feel like you're going fast. You're taking tight turns, but you generally feel like you're gliding along. It's 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 pretty comfortable experience. Uh, definitely not the case at Disney World. And so later when I found out that both Disney World's Space Mountain and Matterhorn, same manufacturer. It was like, okay, this makes sense now. Like, they're both just like, they're both just meat tenderizers, basically. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way that these coasters were built. Yeah. I mean,
1: definitely. But there's also like, a, I think a time too. It seems like, uh, like there was like these older rides that, you know, especially when it comes to like roller coasters where they were rough. But now, like newer roller coasters, are definitely taking into account the the uh, comfort and getting beat up on the ride itself into account. So, true enough, it's
0: all part of the experience, I guess. Yeah. But uh, but speaking of Walt Disney World, it is perhaps you've heard Henry. It is the major news of the week when it comes to theme parks because they announced that they're going to be reopening on July 11th. And to put that into perspective, that's about five weeks after Universal, about four weeks after SeaWorld, and about six weeks after Legoland. So what is up with this delay, man? Well, Henry, once you start hearing about how many details are involved with this opening, and we're going to get into them. You'll start to see just how involved and far-reaching all of these plans really are. So let's dive right in. We've got the basics that we already know of, which all look a whole lot like what we've already seen in place at Shanghai Disneyland. Masks and temperature checks are required. Social distancing markers are being used in all queues, and for the time being anyway, there are no parades or fireworks. And we've already known that the overall park capacity will be reduced to around 20 to 30%. Again, something that they did at Shanghai Disneyland. The big question that we had though, and this was after last week when we were talking about how Universal is doing the same thing, but they don't have necessarily a system in place to control that other than a cutoff the question that you and I had was how exactly is Disney going to plan to enforce this? Especially since that July timeframe that they are reopening has been wide open for bookings and rebookings this entire time. So first up, they had an announcement that the parks will be using a reservation system similar to what we've been seeing at Shanghai Disneyland. It's not clear if they'll also use the same kind of time slot reservation system, you have to choose the specific time of day of your arrival. And it's not clear if we'll see the same reservation system where you could only hold one ticket for one park at a time. That seems like that's that's probably not going to happen, given that there are four parks there and only one park at Shanghai. But we'll see. We don't know. And then immediately after they announced this reservation system, Disney cut off the ability to make any new resort or park ticket reservations. And if you, so if you were one of the lucky people that already had an unused ticket or an upcoming resort stay within the My Disney Experience system, those are all still valid. And then you should have also received an email from Disney World confirming that you're going to be one of the lucky few that have access to this reservation system before any new tickets start being sold again. So what do you think, Henry? Does this sound like a fair system that they're going to put in place?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you already had you know, a ticket or reservation and plans and you've been put off by all this stuff. I think you should have first crack at this. Plus technically, not only are you getting the first crack, but you're going to be the guinea pigs for this, uh, for this new system. (laughs) So uh, to work out any kind of bugs, which is probably good because if, if things are going to go wrong, you don't want to have a huge amount of people like, uh, in the system.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's definitely true for sure. You know, it's definitely a system that, as we've said, we've seen put in place, I'm sure they're going to get and have been getting plenty of learnings from what, what they're getting out of Shanghai. So for sure, by then it will have been open for months. So we'll definitely get some good stuff from that. Um, but I mean, it is a very different world out here when you're talking about multiple parks. So Yeah, so I mean that'll definitely be there'll be some learnings, there'll definitely be some kinks to work out for sure. You know, I'm I am still very curious because there are a lot of people with active tickets right now, right? So if you had an if you have an unused ticket that you purchased, um, either for you know, that was that was at least you designated that you were gonna be in the parks. They were dated, perhaps. For uh, for these, this period that they've been closed, you technically fall into this kind of early reservation system. So if that's the case, I mean, they still do have quite a few people that are out there that may have access to it. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see, like, do they put a time frame on that and say, you know, if you're going to use that ticket and you actually want to use your reservation, you have to book it by this date um, before, or, you know, or else you lose your early slot or something like that. Just because I, I'm, I'm imagining there are probably still a lot of people that haven't made plans yet that maybe do have a ticket and were kind of waiting to see what the situation was going to be, and and so they don't have they don't have a vacation booked, but they'll still have early access. So it's it's kind of like how do you How do you manage that? Certainly, you wouldn't want a situation where you have a ton of people that are holding down spots that they don't that they don't intend to use. I don't know how Disney enforces that, though. That's that's kind of the tough part, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this totally makes sense that there should be some kind of time frame put on that because, yeah, you're just opening that up for like clogging the system. You don't want a lot of people like becoming the bottleneck of a system. Either you it's either use it or lose well, I wouldn't say lose it. It's just you probably wouldn't necessarily you don't lose your tickets. You're just I guess the reservation reservation slot slot or or exclusivity to that reservation slot winds up going away.
0: Yeah. I mean it does also though open up the possibility that you could potentially you know it it it's it's interesting that they went the direction of it not being dependent on you staying at a resort or you staying at a resort doesn't necessarily give you preferential treatment you know what i mean i mean maybe maybe there it will down the road there'll be something that they'll um that they'll open up and just say like hey you you have a better selection or or something if you if you stay at a at a uh at a hotel and so you know you could theoretically still have a just a ticket stay at a different hotel that's maybe off-site but still have access to that system early it's interesting that that like i said at least it seems like that's a possibility that's now open up
1: hopefully yes it's not necessarily like they wind up making this all about staying at the hotels I mean, it's it's early on, so I could see them trying to limit it at some point, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, because there are definitely, I mean, you know, um, we'll go down this in a second. I mean, there are other areas for sure that are limited because, you know, along with this system, they also announced that all dining and experience reservations will be canceled and then along with this extra magic hours and the entire fast pass plus system will be indefinitely suspended so no fast pass plus for the time being anyway and so for that dining and experiences portion of that disney did specifically call out quote as a result of limited capacity we have made the difficult decision to cancel all existing dining reservations and experience bookings including Disney dining plans included in packages through the end of the year. We will open dining and experience bookings with more limited numbers closer to when the parks reopen. We will also shift from a 180-day booking window to a 60-day booking window for dining and experience bookings going forward to allow guests to make their plans closer to their visits. Now the the dining plans being canceled is an interesting development in this because this is mainly what was being offered up to uh, to rebooked guests who had plans that had already been disrupted due to the closures. So Disney's instead offering them a thirty five percent hotel discount, which is pretty generous.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, but I don't know. That's it. That kind of stinks because uh you know because i mean one of the things that you do is very helpful is to not worry about food you know and that kind (laughs) of kind of sucks i think i'd rather have the the uh the meal plan than get the discount at at the hotel because who knows you may have already had like a, a you may already get a good rate anyways uh but food prices are gonna are gonna be high or they're not lowering the food prices they'll lower the hotel prices so
0: yeah but and so but also with the idea that they've canceled all of these all of these dining reservations as well um i mean you if you had any semblance of a plan for what your dining was going to be and what you were going to do. And especially if you were one of the lucky few that were able to snag a dining reservation at one of the more popular places, exclusive places like be our guest. It, uh, it kind of sucks, man. Cause you've just had that canceled. So, I mean, on one hand I can kind of see where they're coming from with the dining plan cancellations, where it's like, honestly, we can't promise that we're going to have tons of restaurants even open, right? Because they've already offered that disclaimer that not everything's going to be open. Certainly, if the park is reduced pretty significantly in capacity, they're not going to have every restaurant, whether it be quick serve or, um, you know, table service, they're not going to have every one of those places open. Wouldn't make sense. So, uh, and, you know, especially if you're on one of those quick service dining plans or, you are hoping to um you know take take uh take advantage of some character dining which has been canceled or take advantage of some dining where it's like a buffet style like that's probably not going to happen right so you know just even your dining options are going to be pretty heavily limited so you know it might be difficult to take full advantage of that of that dining plan anyway but it does reek of just the fact that you know they offered up this dining plan to people whose plans had been disrupted without the idea clearly that that was going to be something that they were going to that was on something on the chopping block right because yeah. it seems does seem really weird of just being like hey here's a dining plan you got to book for September or earlier um to entice people to to make those bookings and then be like oh yeah that thing we were enticing you with that's actually not going to happen but Here's 35% off. So yeah, it's a little bit of a bait and switch for sure, uh, which is disappointing. But I mean, like I said, it, it, you know, if you have your heart set on a place that's then not open, or you're hoping to take advantage of a restaurant uh, with your dining plan that then's not open, it might be, it might be avoiding disappointment anyway.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the whole fact that they're taking it away—period—is disappointment. <laughs> so, yeah. going to the park and being disappointed definitely would be worse. But I think you're still getting disappointed anyway. So, but it does make sense that some places aren't going to be open. But I, uh, I don't know. It, it does. It does sound like they're trying to get ahead of some disappointment that people will get from the limited uh openings of things but uh I don't know if if that kind of uh makes up for it with the just the discount but
0: yeah well they should have probably pumped the brakes a little bit on that uh on that aspect and maybe just either offered the discount straight up or uh you know just said hey we'll determine what it's going to be at a later date or something it just clearly like i said not very well it was a, it seemed like maybe it was a it was kind of a gut reaction as opposed to a uh, a well thought out plan true but uh but so one of the big mysteries though so talking about it, the experience portion of it one of the one of the big question marks at the moment is what exactly the plan is going to be for mickey's not so scary halloween party Because right now, if you go to attempt to purchase a ticket, you can't do it. It sends you to just the general uh, FAQ for park reopenings. But the thing was, tickets had already been on sale for a couple of weeks beforehand. So there are people with tickets for Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. But fear not, according to theme park reporter Carly Wiesel, it's still going forward. And purchase tickets will remain valid. Of course, we have no idea of what this party is going to actually be because there's no parade and there are no fireworks, both of which are are pretty key elements of uh, of that event. So, um, so perhaps it's still going to happen. There's still no word from Disney. It sounds like people who had tickets, that price hasn't been or that cost hasn't been refunded yet. So, you know sounds like it might happen, but, uh, but I don't know, man, like, does that sound like, like, let's say you're at a reduced capacity already. Sounds like maybe where they're probably leaning perhaps more into kind of what you were theorizing of maybe it'll just be a bunch of Halloween decorations and you'll still get to hang out at the park a little bit later than, uh, than you normally would. Does that sound like it's then worth the extra $80.
1: $80. No, um, I don't think so because you could get pretty much the same experience except for the extra time in the park by with a regular ticket. So I, I think right. they need to, like, so if they're still moving, I think they need to add something else into it. But I think maybe they're right. kind of keeping their options open that hopefully by the time the uh of halloween or the mickey's not so scary halloween party takes place that they can maybe have more interactions at that point or at least have more people in the park at that time and maybe they can have the parade or have fireworks at that time but uh they don't want to rule it out quite yet
0: yeah. See if, uh, I think that would be, I think that would, I would buy into that if at least the starting date for the party wasn't like a month and a half after the park reopens. Like that's not, it's I guess it starts in August. So that doesn't give much time for, uh, for them to start working some of that stuff out and probably not that much time, not enough, I'm guessing, uh, to get parades and fireworks up and running. Um, I guess you certainly could for some of the later dates, but then it would be, uh, personally speaking, man, if I went to like one of the earlier dates in like early September, let's say, and uh, they didn't have the parade and they didn't have the fireworks and I paid the same as someone who went later, like uh, closer in October, and they did have all of that, I would be be pretty chapped.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I I guess... I'm always, I'm still thinking of, uh, Disneyland timeframe, which doesn't start until, uh, September where you could possibly have, you know, more of the park open or the capacity could be, uh, greater, but, um, yeah, it's, yeah, that is too short of a time. So they, maybe they have something else in mind, uh, that would, uh, Make up that difference of just being Open later uh, For people who are In the uh, Who bought these tickets um, But Or they have some other Entertainment yeah. going on Cause uh, uh, Yeah that's just At least it's In uh, you know at uh, Disney World that's $80 Disneyland that ticket is Considerably more expensive
0: how much is how much is the party at
1: Disneyland right now? Oh, it's it's in the hundreds. I want to say I can't remember
0: hundred. You're talking well, about for multiple uh,
1: tickets? No, I mean I guess I should say over a hundred dollars for sure. I okay. think the lowest. I think I want to say because it gets expen- more expensive each year. Of course, uh, and it depends. And it depends on what time of the uh, of the party you get your ticket to, right? Because uh, There was like, I want to say initially it was like $105. I can't remember the price I paid last year. Um, I know we wind up getting, it was pricier, but it wasn't the most expensive. Right. uh, Because the tickets in, in September are cheaper than those in October, especially the one you get at, Closer to Halloween, I think he went up to like, I want to say $140 at that time. Um, but I think we bought ours. That sounds it really like, expensive.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I want to say ours were around $120.
0: Well, that's pretty crazy. I don't quite know why the uh price discrepancy between the two parks, if that's really the case, but um. But yeah, I think you are spot on that there's definitely going to have to be other stuff and there is. I mean, it's not like it's only those two things with the decorations. I mean, they do have you know, a lot of the certainly the exterior of like the haunted mansion. There's there's kind of uh cast members that are actors that are that are um kind of adding to the overall experience. So, you know, that there's other stuff going on. I mean, but yeah, they're going to have to definitely going to have to do something. Um, so maybe we'll see. And hopefully it's, hopefully it's a situation too, where, you know, they do, um, that once they kind of have an idea of what it is and what capacity is going to look like, that they'll start offering up those tickets again, because like I said, it's just, everything's just cut off right now. So, um, I was potentially looking at getting a ticket for one of the days that I may be out there, and so now, of course, I didn't pull the trigger uh, beforehand, and so now it's just kind of a big question mark if uh, if that's something that I'll be able to do. I hope so. I would like to go, but I also need a little bit more information in terms of what that's going to be. Um, how about this, Henry? What do you think if Disney World has, Disneyland, has Tokyo Disneyland send back all of the haunted, uh, haunted holiday decorations that were initially intended for Disney World, and they put on their first ever Nightmare Before Christmas haunted holiday.
1: I definitely think they should do that, but I mean, I don't know how, how you would... You can't tie that to just your uh, Mickey's Not-So-Scary Christmas party, for sure.
0: You close the haunted mansion throughout the day and only open it for mickey's not so scary halloween party
1: well then yes i would definitely do that plus <laughs> honestly like 80 dollars for the not so scary halloween party is a lot more uh i would probably if it was just eight, uh, 80 dollars, i would definitely get that extra ticket but the 120 at that uh at Disneyland is is a harder pill to squal- swallow for me.
0: So you're uh, saying you'd get it even if it doesn't offer you anything but just more time?
1: Probably at at the eighty dollars. Huh. It, it, wow. I, I don't know. It's it's just the eighty dollars. I guess dealing with the hundred and twenty eighty dollars feels a lot more doable. Uh,
0: so it, it is more it uh, it it is more than eighty dollars. I think it's closer to ninety, but still still that's this is a lot easier to it's kind of a sub swallow $100 that. ticket.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you're getting access to Walt Disney world, which was, uh, it's much more rides than what, uh, California adventure had for Oogies.
0: And, That's true uh, though. Specifically it's magic kingdom, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I think even still with that,
1: and then, if that was the the gateway like you you couldn't ride the haunted mansion i, I mean to uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that was the only way you could ride it. That's so much part of my Halloween experience at this point <laughs> at at a disney uh a Disney park that I really want it now. <laughs>
0: Dude, so. that would be some savage stuff though, right? Whoa, that would be insane if they were like, hey, if you want to ride, not only if you want to ride Haunted Mansion, but it's the only time that we've ever done Haunted Holiday here. And if you want to ride it, we're going to upcharge you <laughs> in, order to, in order to have the pleasure of experiencing it. Uh, that would be totally savage. Even for Disney, that'd be pretty savage.
1: Yeah, that would be really savage. I I definitely think they would never do like shut down the ride just for those people. Uh, oh. But but I do believe they could bring those decorations or at least make up decorations for the Haunted Holiday for uh Magic Kingdom uh because of this stuff to make it more enticing. Uh, for people to visit during Halloween, so
0: maybe i I'm I've always been curious to check out Haunted Holiday at Tokyo Disneyland because it is with a different it's with that Magic Kingdom Haunted Mansion layout, so it's a little bit different than what we get at Disneyland. So, um, so yeah, I've always been curious. I definitely think it would be a worthwhile experience.
1: I don't know if I'd say it would be an eighty dollars. <laughs> uh worthwhile experience, but I just uh the whole like i hate to say it, but when it comes to the uh the Halloween party, I definitely get a have a problem with fomo <laughs> yeah, yeah. so so sure. I at least have to have one day of it, and uh so that's why we at least get one day at the uh, Halloween party, so I know that I'm not missing it out on anything.
0: Yeah. Well, so, you know, we were talking about just timing in general and maybe getting a little bit of extra time in, uh, in magic kingdom because of this, uh, this potential after hours event with, with the Halloween party. But, uh, but that may be a little more necessary now because along with these other announcements of reservation system and fast pass and, dining and experiences getting kind of pushed off, we also have some adjusted dates and times that have been announced for all of the parks when they do reopen. So we already mentioned that July 11th was the opening date, though this is really only for Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom. They'll quickly be followed up on July 15th with both Hollywood Studios and Epcot. So not too much of a gap there. But with that, they've also adjusted park hours on the Disney World website. So all of, all parks will be open for the same duration, but their start and end times are all a little shifted. So Magic Kingdom is from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Epcot is 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Hollywood Studios is 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. And Animal Kingdom is 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. PM. So they've definitely staggered it to make sure that no two parks are opening and or closing at the same time. That's pretty wild, especially. So for me, what stood out was that 11 a.m. opening for Epcot, man, like that is that is your invitation to sleep in.
1: <laughs> yeah. But then also there you notice that they're not open for up to they're not even going to be open for 12 hours. Yeah, so, right. Ten hours.
0: So much of this is just kind of a shot in the dark, but one would hope that, uh, you know, with the reduced capacity that it gives you more of an opportunity to get on and off rides Uh, that better be the case because there's also no fast pass. So everything is going to be virtual queue slash standby, you know, uh, it's a little, it's a little nerve wracking to think about that. In addition to losing these tools that allowed you and gave you at least some peace of mind that you could possibly, uh, if not probably, lock in a specific date and time for the ride that you really care about. Now that that's being taken out of the equation and the parks are open for less time, it's uh, a little nerve wracking, man. The idea of riding uh, both Slinky Dog Dash. And Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, all on the same day, and and uh, and uh, Tower of Terror, and Rock and Roller Coaster. It's like, whoa! I I hope that's possible. <laughs> I hope that's gonna be possible.
1: Yeah, I think you. I think what's gonna have to happen now is, and and this actually bodes well for for you and for me who are heavy planners, is that. You have to go in with a a strategy, of like, okay, for one, you're gonna have to prioritor- prioritize the most important rides, sure, and and then you then you like schedule around making sure you can ride those rides. Hopefully, if you really are like keeping an eye on your schedule and standing in lines and whatnot. You can actually, you will probably, I think with somebody who definitely goes in with a strategy and is planning, think you should be able to get on these rides if they're open.
0: (laughs) I'll tell you what my plan is. Rope drop, (laughs) rope drop uh, everything. Uh, Stay until like park close. Make sure that you are in line at the very end of the day, right when the park's closing, hop in that line one last time. But really, it's just like rope drop and hustle. Those are the, it's 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 really difficult to come up with too much of a strategy because you know uh, fast pass was kind of ruled everything. That was the big strategy for everybody, kind of working the Disney World system. And also, you know, m- for someone like me that likes to travel solo, uh, single rider was a big part of that too. Because you could say well, maybe I'm I'm much less concerned about getting a fast pass for test track or waiting in line and rope dropping, you know, uh, test track or rope dropping like rock and roller coaster or whatever, because I could just roll in on single rider. Uh, that's not going to be the case now. There's no more single rider either. So, you know, it it, it is that weird kind of place of just being like, you know, get comfortable waiting in line, whatever that experience is gonna be with this virtual queue system, which we still don't know very much about. But uh, but kind of get there early, get on the number one ride that you want to ride the most, and then I go to the second ride that you want to ride the most, and then go to the third ride that you want to ride the most. It's like I don't, I'm I've been trying to think about what my strategy would look like, and uh and I haven't gotten very far beyond those those, those well, few th- points.
1: Well, I think we'll find out more about the virtual queue system before. I mean, you get your trip. I'm sure you'll you'll hear more about it. So, oh, yeah, I think what'll probably happen is you at least the most popular rides you'll have the virtual queue virtual queue system. And you probably want to book. Uh, which you probably have to be in the park for rope drop to do that. So you'll probably right. book those rides with the virtual queue system. And then probably the uh, less popular rides you'll have to get in line for. Uh, I think one thing uh, which will work in your to your benefit is being a single person Uh, being there by yourself you'll be able to hustle a lot easier uh i know when i was trying to hustle with my wife and my sister and her husband i could well you you don't think about the shorter people not being able to keep up with you (laughs) i was I was uh, expecting my sister and her husband to be able to keep up with uh, with me a little bit better than they, they were able to give in. uh I, I did take into consideration that uh, she was pregnant, but she was also a, she, she told me that she was still jogging and stuff at that time. So I, I thought that she would be able to make up, because I was, I don't think of myself as somebody who's a fast... too fast of a walker, but apparently I was wrong. <laughs> I'm a lot faster
0: than I think I... Am. <laughs> did you give her the warning that was like, hey, I know that you're pregnant, but you're going to have to keep up?
1: No, I never said that. I mean, I, I literally did. Yield back there, huh? I did. <laughs> you I thought about it. I did. Well, I mean, this... I was more concerned about her experiencing the things that she hasn't experienced. So it was definitely like, you know, I was slowing myself down. I thought I slowed myself down enough that she could keep up. Um, But the Crocs, it was the Crocs. I'm (laughs) telling you, it was the Crocs. They ruined her, her feet the first day. And when she finally got like, like good walking shoes on, it was, it was too late once you get yeah. your feet hurt and you get blisters you it slows down your walking speed considerably so so yeah Busted. i think yeah it was that you know she i think she would have been able to keep up if she had the proper uh walking shoes but it was just ruined after that first day
0: yeah yeah fair enough well uh you know so i think that the thing though that stuck out. So, you know, just to go back to the, uh, the hours for a second here, it's like definitely that 11 AM slot of starting late. If you're going to Epcot stuck out to me, but also animal kingdom closing at 6 PM, uh, stuck out to me because, you know, that is like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> you know, you're out of the park. Let's say, let's say at like 555, assuming that they're still allowing this to happen. At five fifty-five, you hop into the flight of passage. uh, You hop into the flight of passage queue line or virtual queue or whatever. So you are out of the park by like six thirty. Then I guess maybe you could head on over to Disney Springs and see what is kind of going on over there. That's pretty limited opening right now. Maybe things will be a little bit more opening. Uh, Maybe things will be a little bit more open then. But uh, you know, with with the park kind of operating in in sort of low power mode and and with a lot of places closed it's sort of like what do i do now i guess i go back to my hotel and just watch tv or hang out or i mean go to bed ridiculously early and get ready for the next day i don't know man it's uh that's pretty crazy
1: yeah i mean honestly i i'm kind of used to that kind of time frame a little bit because whenever we go down to like disneyland we always in uh, october time we always go to universal studios at the same time uh one day and uh and they have they're open those hours and i'll tell you what actually i think they're open up open less hours and you have to be hustling if you're not hustling at <laughs> universals at that time you are not going to make it through all the rides and all the shows and it in i guess you know like listening to this i just thought about like it, with this kind of like situation looks like there's not going to be any park hopping so, um,
0: yeah, it's a good question. They, they specifically didn't, that was not something mentioned specifically. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, like, uh, if you have to like, uh, pick your ticket for a certain day and then if they do the same thing with Shanghai, where you have to like pick your time that you yeah. want to like check into the park, then you're not going to be able to do like a park hop.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, just just the fact that the parks are open less during the day and you don't have a ton of time in between um, you know, closures like at maximum you have you know, like let's say 3 hours between when Animal Kingdom and Epcot closes. So, you know, you'll you you can get a little bit of time there, but outside of that it's like 1 or 2 hours. So, it's not like uh you know, it's not like you're going to be able to utilize a ton of that. It's, you know, if you're not familiar with how like Disney world works, it's not, everything is not uh, close to each other. Like it is at Disneyland, you know, or it's just a walk across the Esplanade. You've actually got to like transit from one place to another. Um, and with that too, I mean, they've also, they've said that there will be monorails and there will be ferry boats that are operating um, at a limited capacity. And it's really to help shuttle guests at those locations. But um, but they haven't really talked about what the frequency of just the general shuttle buses are. They haven't really talked about if the Skyliner is going to be in full operation. I, I I assume that it is, but I don't know, might be limited hours as well. So, you know, that's really strange. Same thing with like, you know, how is, uh, the other big question with like, how is boarding passes going to work with, um, with, uh, rise of the resistance at Hollywood studios? Is it just, I mean, with limited capacity, I'm guessing everybody will get one hopefully, but I don't know. We'll see. Wouldn't that be cool?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Cause like, what if you, you just really wanted to go to Hollywood Ride Rise of Resistance, then you wanted to hop over to one of the other parks and then maybe go to Epcot uh, and experience that because maybe you don't need as much time in Epcot to experience yeah. everything since Spaceship Earth is already going to not be accessible at this time. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, what is that going to mean as far as park hopping? Maybe you can't park hop, so you that makes it even all the more detrimental that you get everything done in that one day.
0: Yeah. I don't, I mean, it's all, I, my guess is that once they talk about the reservation system more, that that will answer that question. So yeah, uh, certainly as soon as, as, as somebody that has tickets and, a and a hotel reservation already in place, I'll have early access. So I will, uh, I will for sure be talking about what my experience booking all of this is.
1: Yeah, cuz I mean it sounds like it definitely like sounds like oh man, there's a lot of questions that really need to be answered before like uh, a lot of people have their trip so they can actually plan or strategize how they're going to visit each park.
0: Well, and <laughs> but like you said, I mean, we definitely have time for that, right? So it is a bit of an information overload, and we do have those major questions, but there is still over a full month for them to iron out all of those kinks and to figure out kind of what the best path forward with all of that is. Universal Orlando, on the other hand, is reopening this Friday, June 5th. So they're really like knocking at the door here, right? Oh, yeah. So... We covered a majority of the details last week of what that opening is going to be. But the whole kind of hotel portion of it was a big question that we had. It was a big outstanding item. And, uh, And so really, that is the big piece of info that they've clarified. So we now know that on June 2nd, the following hotels at Universal Orlando will be reopening for guests. Hard Rock Hotel, Lowe's Royal Pacific. Lowe's Sapphire Falls, Universal's Cabana Bay Beach Resort, Universal's Aventura Hotel, and Universal's Endless Summer Resort, Surfside Inn, and Suites. And if you're going to be staying at any of these hotels on June 3rd or June 4th, which are a couple of days before that official opening, you'll actually be guaranteed entry to the parks for that soft opening VIP period before everything goes wide. Uh, and then we also got word from click Orlando that the Florida department of health will have secret shoppers at universal Orlando for this reopening period. The goal is to make sure that both park staff and guests are all abiding by social distancing rules and other guidelines. So uh, still missing in terms of the info is how exactly they're going to manage park capacity, uh, it really does seem like it is going to be a first come first serve or get a uh, get a hotel and get in a little bit early. But I, I mean, one would think that if they had a system in place to either make, you know, to, to kind of ferry people through and to inform you if, if they're going to hit capacity, that they would have that already and they'd be talking about it. But nope, doesn't sound like it.
1: Yeah, I mean it seems like uh it's it seems like they're they may have jumped the gun a bit and didn't get all their ducks in a row and are kind of going to fly by the seat of their pants for these this at least for this initial opening um which I think is going to be unfortunate for those people who uh are there for day 1 uh, I think there may be some disappointed people who don't get in.
0: Yeah, I mean, it um, It seems like maybe, and who knows, I mean, perhaps they've kind of done the groundwork and discovered that maybe the interest isn't there in terms of locals, which I expect are going to be the ones coming this early with on such short notice, but maybe you're only going to, that's the level of interest that you have is 20 to 30% in terms of Uh, in terms of local interests, so I don't know. I kind of doubt that, but perhaps. Um, Or maybe, you know, they will do a last-minute kind of system, but it does seem like reservations were the way to go, especially early on. Um, Yeah. I mean, the idea of kind of using your hotel space now to juice up kind of a guaranteed spot is... uh, (laughs) I don't know. It seems a little, I mean, it's not shady's the not the right word because I mean, it makes sense from their perspective, but it is kind of strange <laughs> to say this will guarantee you if you're staying at our hotel. Otherwise, you know, free for all. I mean, at least well, they are offering up that at least they are so that if you are someone that is coming into town specifically for park opening that you can guarantee that um, that you can have a spot.
1: Well, I mean, it's what uh, Disney did for Galaxy's Edge opening. I know some people who who took advantage of that, uh, so it's it's not unheard of at this point. Um, but at least at least if you do have an, a heads up that if you really want to get into Universal Studios Orlando for that opening, get yourself into one of those hotels. I
0: mean yeah I mean that's true though I would say that the main difference between the Galaxy's Edge system and this was that it, I mean you, they did have a reservation period so it wasn't like you showed up and then it was first come first serve uh so you at least did have some idea beforehand over whether you, you know during your upcoming trip you were going to be able to get in or not but but yeah the free for all was still there of You know, fight for it and maybe you'll get it and maybe you won't. So, so we'll see. This, the secret shopper thing is pretty interesting though. I mean, I I think that makes sense. It's like, uh, it's like, you know, one of the big questions that, you know, I certainly, I know that you've brought up a couple of times is like, how are they going to really ensure that people um, around the parks are behaving, but certainly using their masks appropriately and doing everything that they need to do? And, I mean, it sounds like that's that's part of the answer,
1: right? Oh yeah, I mean it. It, it sounds like there's def the the staff are definitely going to have to be uh, enforcing uh, people wearing or uh, acting uh, accordingly to guidelines because uh, now they have kind of a vested interest in making sure that uh, they don't get busted and but then again what kind of like uh penalties are going to be levied against them for not enforcing this stuff and like i guess you know having the secret uh people like uh secret shoppers and stuff uh is always kind of like interesting because you know my my wife since she works in retail she has to deal with uh secret shops and uh so i mean in her line of business uh i think secret shops have at times led to people being fired but i mean there's nothing usually levied against the store per se but i mean Mm -hmm. i imagine in this case, uh, the park would be fined.
0: So certainly fines, uh, I think I, I would imagine are on the table. I do think though, that part of it is just letting them know so that they can. And by they, I mean, universal, letting universal know that they have a hole or holes in certain maybe policies that they need to tighten up. So, um, you know it 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 is kind of one of these mutually beneficial uh ideas and programs that they're putting forward and certainly universal potentially has an opportunity to benefit if maybe there are some some holes in the dam that are discovered or 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 just some systems that need to be tightened up but certainly also disney could benefit from whatever uh whatever is learned through that experience like we've been talking about so You know, I mean, I I think it's certainly universal doing well and having a successful launch is in the state of Florida's best interest. So, you know, they want that to be successful. And if there are areas that they need to do better at, it's also in the state's best interest to ensure that that's communicated and, and tightened up immediately, right?
1: It's really weird. I mean... I wouldn't say it's weird. I guess it's it's good to have the the secret shoppers there and whatnot, because uh, you definitely want to find out as much information and making sure that uh, the you have a outside entity uh, checking for these things is is always having is good to have like that check in place, but I guess it depends on how that information is, is taken and digested and and executed on is really what I really am in question for me is like, you know, what is taken, what is done with that information? It doesn't help if you have that information and then nothing is done, you know,
0: yeah, yeah. So you're saying that it's like it, um there's the potential that maybe these these secret shoppers are providing feedback that Universal just kind of tosses behind them and maybe doesn't doesn't give it the due diligence that it needs to? Is that what you're suggesting?
1: Yeah, but then uh, it's it's also kind of it's it's kind of also one of those things that's kind of weird because like it's easier to like I guess uh to monitor your your own employees and like, hey, if somebody's not following the rules, you fire them. But yeah, what happens when it's a guest who, right, despite how much like despite being told what they need to do and what that they're they need to follow the rules, if they you know if they refuse to, who's now at fault? It would be really cool if if those people who aren't uh, following the rules are actually fined, in a way, <laughs> ticketed, right, or something. I you know it, I guess I guess they could kick them out of the park, but uh, you know so oftentimes like people are they're like the parks are hesitant to actually do that because that is is, that is excess that is extreme but you know these are different times we're dealing with and they're not just putting themselves at risk they're putting other people at risk plus they're putting themselves at risk at being you know attacked by somebody who doesn't like the fact that they're not following the rules uh yeah
0: i mean you're right it it is a um it certainly requires some level of skill on the on the role of the secret shopper or whoever is making that final assessment to identify like is this a is this a singular kind of act or you know is, is this an isolated instance and in where this is just some asshole because the reality is that there's always going to be assholes that are going to break the rules and you could make the tightest most comprehensive security system ever, but it, you know, you're, you're there's always going to be one or two individuals that are going to slip through the cracks. So, you know, it, it is really important that what they're doing when they get this information is identifying, is this an isolated instance or is this a lapse in this kind of health and safety system that they've built? And if it's isolated, then, you know, okay, whatever it's maybe less of an issue because it's it's just going to happen. But if it's if it's like, you know, you have been too lax or they've informed people to be lax in a very large area around any kind of snack carts or dining carts. And so you have a lot of people that are in the vicinity, not wearing masks, but maybe not eating then, well, maybe it's just tightening that boundary up or maybe it's Maybe it's making your policy so that um, you know the only dining exception is if you're sitting down physically eating something. Um, I think those are the policies that they need to look at and actually can have influence on. Um, So my hope is that that's really what that focus is, and that's where that that feedback is channeled. Because, li- like I said, I just think you know th- there's going to be there's going to be people that are going to break the rules. It's just going to happen, and so. You know what's really important is that it's not it's not a it's not showing a bigger problem.
1: Well, I think this is going to be one of those. Uh, I mean, having dealt with secret shoppers and and been involved with secret shoppers, it's it's going to be an interesting uh, thing because I imagine uh, in this case of being a kind of a secret shopper uh, is that they're going to have to. Not only are they going to be like they need to observe because that's always something that uh, secret shoppers need to do is observe how the employees are uh interacting with the guests, but they're going to have to probably be one of those problem guests and see how yeah, the totally. employees uh react to that. So it's, yep it's, it's definitely going to be like, I imagine these secret shoppers are definitely going to have to push the boundaries of totally, of what these uh, employees are going to have to deal with. So hopefully again, what I was hoping that they, uh, the universal employees have kind of a, a escalation protocol for which hopefully ends at where the, uh, uh, the guest is ejected from the park, you know, because if there's no real consequences for the guests, why should they comply?
0: Right. I think that um, I think that we need to discover the answer and you need to sign up as a secret shopper in Florida <laughs> so that you can put this to the test. And really, man, if if uh, if they can deal with just kind of an angsty Henry Hall, who's breaking the rules, they can deal with anything.
1: I don't know. I I mean, I don't know if I could be, I could be that, that problem guest. I mean, I've, <laughs> since, since I've, since I've worked retail, I identify with the problems that they have to put <laughs> up with. And, 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 and honestly, like you being a problem guest just ruins another person's ruins that retail person's day and I don't know if I want to do that because I've had those bad days before and it's, it's just no fun. Like once you had that bad customer when you're working retail, it just sours your whole day. But in hindsight, when you have that great customer, man, it can, it can make your day. So it's like, I don't want to be that bad customer. I mean, as it is, I'm too memorable at this point. I've found that people (laughs) oftentimes remember me. I mean, given I do frequent the same places all the time, but there's too many times where I've walked up after – maybe visiting being helped by that same person maybe twice and they already know my order i mean i've gone to like pizza places and uh and given eh, i know that some people are memorable are memorable but i've walked in and they've called me by name and oh hey henry hey yeah we got your order right here it's like whoa how do you know (laughs) why do you remember my name (laughs) so you might not want to
0: eat that pizza
1: (laughs) well no like given like i would say that yeah if if i was a bad customer uh but it definitely puts me on notice that they do remember me so i should be minding my p's and q's or else i won't (laughs) want to eat that pizza or drink that
0: drink but uh Well, you know, Henry, you are a topic of conversation everywhere. (laughs) It's just the way that it is, man. Um, Let's pop over to the the West Coast for a second. Uh, The OC Register is reporting that California state officials have confirmed that theme parks like Disneyland do fall under stage three of their opening plan and can begin the reopening process at the start of this stage. This is, of course, assuming that COVID-19 infection and hospitalization rates remain stable. So if everything continues to move forward and stay flat in California, this could put a possible reopening approval for at some point in June. And even with all of that, we already have Legoland California chomping at the bit and setting their target reopening date for July 1st. So how about it, Henry? A June, July reopening of Disneyland? I doubt.
1: Well, I mean, maybe July. I doubt it would happen in June, if they're not going to open up before uh, Magic Kingdom opens. So, I, I mean, I guarantee. Well, I, I don't know if I, <laughs> I should say I do Throwing guarantee. guarantees. Gonna, hey man. I, I mean, why would you open up before? The other park opens up. That would be pushing it really too soon, I think, for Disney's comfort. Sure. So uh, I I guarantee it's not going to open up before Magic Kingdom. Could it open up soon after? Possibly. But uh, I think they definitely want to get whatever kind of information that Magic Kingdom has from their openings because they're going to have four parks opening up. So they're definitely going to yeah. get a lot of info from their openings uh, enough for for Disneyland and California Adventure. Uh, but it's I mean, given it's also like you've always pointed out, uh, Disneyland is a locals mostly park. So um, I think they have a different Kind of uh, uh expectation for <clears throat> guests, but uh I think they do will have possibly more guests uh coming since you know there's a lot of locals that will show up uh oh yeah, so
0: um uh well, so what do you think what would you say is the <clears throat> earliest that you could see Disneyland opening, assuming everything kind of moves forward the The way that it's been going, like, do you think that like a week or two after Disney World or you think longer than that? Well, I mean, I'd say
1: if if uh, if all the parks open will be open in in Florida on the 15th, um, I think. I think the soonest you'll see would be the 24th of July cuz also Disney doesn't like to step on their own kind of feet as far as uh info and and openings and stuff like like big events I guess I should say so I guess reopening the all the parks would be uh, kind of might they might consider that a big event so they might yeah. want they they would probably want to give them like more room to kind of like breathe so i think yeah. the 24th would be the earliest earliest but it's i wouldn't be surprised if they pushed it out to like the 31st or even august 1st so that they have kind of like a kind of a a bigger event around it so i don't know yeah
0: yeah i think that august time frame is probably early august is uh it's probably what makes the most sense in terms of where disneyland would land just because you've got that got a couple weeks afterwards after disney world which you might want just to see if uh, to see if any kind of infection rates spike uh, after opening your parks. But uh, so maybe that might be, you know, some good information to have, but I I also think, I mean, I agree. It's like the idea of parks opening within like a week or two, even of each other seems um, seems like a lot, especially given how much they've put into this opening of Disney world and how much heads up space that they've given with it too. So you're probably right that because it is a locals park, you won't necessarily need as much heads up as uh, as you would Disney world, but you know, yeah, I think I could totally see, totally see them coming out after Disney world, maybe launches and say like, Hey, in a few weeks, Disneyland's next. I don't know. Or maybe, make it as part of the like, Hey, we had a successful launch week. uh, So Disneyland is next. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I think they're going to want some space for sure. You're right.
1: That. And also they're going to have to deal with uh, at least with uh, Florida, they can kind of more monitor the, the amount of people and coming in and, and kind of, kind of get that, kind of uh, uh, I guess keep an eye on who's getting in and how they're interacting with other people they can kind of funnel those people in a little bit easier Uh, whereas as you've pointed out Disneyland is is in a city that has local people who aren't necessarily going into the park interacting with people who are going into the park so you right off the major highway yeah so it's 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 a little bit harder to kind of monitor the the uh the people coming in so they may want to put more kind of uh like things and uh procedures in place to kind of funnel those people and and monitor monitor those people so in place so i don't know yeah, they would probably de- still want a little more time for that.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, either way, though, man, uh, I would say Halloween is starting to look pretty good.
1: Oh, yeah. It's definitely looking like the parks will be open on uh, the local. Our local parks will be open in that time frame by that Ooh, time. Ooh, yeah, buddy.
0: Getting excited?
1: Oh yeah, we're definitely like thinking about like what we need to do to get down at that time,
0: dude. You just do you just do the uh, the grinder express as I like to call it, which is you get an early morning flight down to Anaheim, uh, you hang out at Disneyland for the day, and then you get a late night flight back up. Well, I mean, hair on your chest, Henry. (laughs)
1: Well, for one thing, it's not me. It's her, and she definitely doesn't want to have hair
0: on her chest. (laughs) (laughs) Plenty of time to figure out the details. Oh, for sure. Well, we were just talking about June timeframes, and it's sounding like Disneyland Paris may be given the okay to reopen as soon as June 22nd. The local French government recently gave a presentation where they indicated that theme parks may be given the okay for this time frame as long as they meet certain health and safety conditions. Even with this, though, don't go expecting that those parks are going to be open anytime near that date. All reservations for the resort have already all been canceled through July 14th, so it's probably safe to look towards mid to late July at the very earliest anyway. Lone exception here, though, is the golf course at Disneyland Paris Resort, which just announced that they will be taking reservations for a May 30th limited opening. So a little bit of movement on uh, on the part of Paris, man. That's, that's looking pretty good, too.
1: Yeah. I mean... Uh- any kind of movement is, is definitely good movement. And at least them knowing that they could have, they can open at least gives them a time or an idea that they need to be uh, moving forward with opening because we all know that Disney doesn't want to be closed, but it's definitely going to take time for them to uh, make those changes that they need to make and and whatnot. So at least them having the idea when they need to, when they can actually open helps in that process.
0: So, uh, yeah. And it does seem to be like, this is the method that they're going forward with where they're given approval uh to open maybe there's some time between that approval being given and the park's actually open where they can figure out kind of all of those details and really be conservative with uh with how they're opening yeah
1: i mean it's it's when the ball is finally actually in uh disney's court uh then they at least they can like make those decisions cuz it's mm, you know, they don't want to like have a plan in pr- place for opening and then they can't move forward with it because they're waiting for. I mean, they, they may even already have that plan uh, in place, but they have to have that approval first before they can even open. So, I mean, it's still like, a, yes, getting the okay to open is is usually the first step for them announcing the opening uh getting the golf course open is is a good thing though for sure because definitely something like a golf course you can you can get that know who's coming in and definitely people are going to be so for the most part social distancing because you'd never have a group uh more than one group on a hole at one time so Definitely a step in the right direction,
0: for sure. Totally. Now, moving on over to Japan, where their state of emergency has been lifted. The Tokyo Disney Resort has confirmed that the XBRE Shopping Center will be reopening on June 1st. It seems like they'll be taking a very similar approach to Disney Springs, with limited hours, store selections, and mandatory temperature screenings. There isn't any mention of masks being required or not, but it was also announced uh, separately that the official Disney store will be reopening on June 2nd. So, also some positive news for Tokyo Disney. And finally, We'll wrap things up with a little bit of Universal Studios Japan news. Last week, we briefly touched upon the fact that they had been given the okay to reopen with the country's state of emergency having been lifted. Now, WDW News Today is pointing to a few tweets from local pass holders where they're confirming that the park has sent them notice that their passes will be extended by 107 days. This would put the reopening of the parks at around June 15th. Now, why exactly are we so excited about Universal Studios Japan in particular? Three words, Super, Nintendo, World. And as luck would have it, a website by the name of ThemeParksWithAnX.com has just posted some incredibly detailed aerial shots showing a, showing a close-up of the land. From these shots, we can clearly see the overall layout of the land, with nearly completed sets, the exterior portion of the Yoshi ride, and even Bowser's Castle, which is rumored to be the entrance of the unannounced Mario Kart dark ride. Henry, you've mentioned before that a lot of your excitement for this is stemmed from how impressed you've been with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. So from this image, did that scratch your itch? Did that live up to what you were hoping it would? Dude
1: this land this world this super nintendo world looks amazing it looks it looks incredible it looks, right it looks so awesome like it does look like you're stepping into a video game and that it yeah. is is definitely right now getting me like super like excited for it but i mean it's also making me upset you know upset because i don't know when i'm going to be able to get to and experience this for myself but it looks so exciting because it looks like it does look like you're stepping into uh nintendo's like into a mario game so like yeah it it does get me like super excited for it but it does make me also upset (laughs) disappointed that i can't be there and like day one to to experience it for myself and i don't know when i'll ever get to go there but it does look (laughs) (laughs) i mean it makes me excited for for what happens here in in the u.s when they yeah i was gonna
0: say it's definitely coming to hollywood
1: yeah so it makes me excited for that i mean given i know it's going to be definitely for to a lesser degree than probably what they do in japan but it does make me feel excited for at least they, they got it right there. So there's hope for what they do here in Hollywood. So, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely excited for it for sure.
0: Yeah, I was, I was super impressed by it as well. I mean, it, uh, it really was, I think the first thing that immediately struck me was just how bright and vibrant the color palette used throughout the land was. Like, it really was super, super vibrant green, vibrant blues, vibrant browns. Like, it felt like, you know, a living cartoon or exactly what you would expect from a Nintendo game brought to life. Uh, You know, really, if, if you've seen any of those concept art images or... Um, you know, last year when they made their big announcement saying that uh, Super Nintendo World was coming to uh, all of the universal parks around the world, pretty much, that uh, they showed not only concept art, but kind of like a quick pre-vis video clip. And it looks exactly like what they've been showing. So they've really been, they really did a spectacular job of making all of those concepts a reality one of uh well the other thing that really struck me was that it seemed very compact right like it didn't seem like kind of wizarding world where it's very it you know wizarding world It for the most part feels pretty sprawling feels like this really large space and at least from the aerial images of super nintendo world did feel like a much smaller space, but it felt packed with tiny, tiny details, man. Like I don't know if you zoomed in on any of those specifics, but there was so many details to catch from, you know, uh piranha plants popping out of pipes to to uh those kind of question mark boxes that were spread throughout. Um, you know, the other thing that kind of, uh, that really excited me was if you looked at the space that the land took up versus the space of the show buildings, the show buildings were just as large, if not larger than some of the space of the kind of visual, uh, or exterior of the land that, you know, we could see in this exterior, specifically the, um, the Mario Kart ride behind Bowser's castle looked like it was the size of maybe half of the, the actual land. So it definitely seems like a huge part of that payoff is going to be in, in how these rides are really presented, which is pretty exciting. So uh, the idea of a Mario Kart dark ride is couldn't be more of a slam dunk.
1: Oh yeah. It's interesting that they call it super Nintendo world where i think it more makes me think of mario 64 which right the, the game because i mean that's definitely what i think everybody is hoping that uh, the world is kind of modeled off after or maybe one of the the newer or the the mario world game from from the switch where you definitely can feel like you're actually in a world when you're playing through those games uh so yes there's definitely a lot of detail and a lot of of very like just mario uh type uh of 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 elements that you can see from these pictures so it's it's definitely got if you love those mario the mario 64 game and these like mario games is definitely gonna be uh they really hit it it looks like on the mark with this with this land and so yes i'm very excited for it and yes it looks like the the payoff is gonna be on these rides but considering how they've already kind of hit the mark with the land it i mean I don't think you're going to be disappointed going (laughs) to see this land going to this land which is definitely what they did with the um with the harry potter land like if you if you like the harry potter movies you love the land because i mean i wasn't even a big super huge fan of the movies i mean i liked them but i mean there was just something kind of that but the movies never really hit cuz maybe cuz I'm an adult and and it's kind of a kind of a younger oriented movies that they're you know younger audience that they're trying to get with these movies but totally going into the land the Harry Potter land I felt like I was in the movie so the, right. the, I think you're not going to be disappointed going to. <laughs> you're definitely not going to be disappointed going to Super Nintendo World. Uh, I think the only thing that uh, I think there may be kind of a misnomer with it is that it's Super Nintendo World instead of being named like Mario World.
0: Uh, right. It, it definitely looks like Mario World.
1: Yeah. It's definitely more Mario oriented than, say, at least i do couldn't see from the images like i'm not seeing anything from like uh from say uh from the metroid uh which you would definitely uh associate with nintendo or i'm definitely not seeing anything about uh zelda which you would or associated with Nintendo. But again, still that doesn't necessarily take away from the super Nintendo world. It's still going to be an, it looks like it's going to be an amazing experience regardless.
0: So. Yeah. And I think, I I think the, well, with the, with calling it super Nintendo world, it does, even though it is Mario, which is like, if you're going to make a Nintendo world, attraction or, or Nintendo world, you know, land in your theme park, you better deliver on Mario, which it seems like at least from this, uh, from this aerial perspective that we've seen aesthetically, they've delivered on it. Um, but there are, if you look at, if you look at, especially looked maybe towards like the Northern area of that picture, there was, it looked like an entryway that didn't lead to anything. Like it was just construction um you know uh just like tractors and construction machines on the other side Uh, i'm betting that there's tons of room for expansion in that area too so that's where you could see metroid or zelda or some of these other areas like you know hyrule or something like that uh maybe expanding to the overall land because like i said it for for a singular land it's compact but if you start adding to it and add some of these other franchises and, and expanding on it, then you could really definitely build it out. Um, and, and that being said too, it's like, like I said, it's it, you can really only see what is on the outside. So it looked like there was a lot of tunnels and entrances and, and entryways that were going indoors to stuff that obviously we can't really see from that perspective, but it did seem like there was a lot going on, in those areas that that we just have no idea around. Um I did like though that uh that exterior portion of the Yoshi ride where it loops around kind of part of the the land. Just like I love that idea of coming through what seems like an, an entrance uh pipe where you enter that pipe and you from the outside come in through the land and in addition to just like the verticality of everything, because it, it is like a very vertical land with those hills and the very vibrant colors, it's super awesome uh, to think about this Yoshi ride going around towards this top uh, kind of trellis or this top um, this top area along the park so that you can see this, this ride and this movement from these Yoshi creatures. I love that idea. Any of those sort of kinetic... Uh, any any sort of kinetic movement that you can add to lands is always appreciated and again i mean it's i don't want to harp on it but it's something that certainly galaxy's edge could do more with
1: yeah i mean it's definitely like for one thing for what you said is that you know the naming it a super nintendo world you definitely give it more Legs for future growth of the the land, and yes, they definitely better like better get Mario right. Uh, Mario is is definitely one of the biggest, uh, most iconic, uh, flagship characters of all time. So if you're gonna have something labeled as Nintendo, uh, it better have it better get Mario right, and uh, <laughs> so. Uh, i mean that's something that segas had problems with uh with with sonic in their video games so definitely if you're going to do a, a land in a theme park you better get mario right um but um and yeah that's making it more future proofing it by naming it nintendo world a super nintendo world you can add more to it later that may make it stand out as not just being Mario, but you know, you can add something for Zelda, you can add something for uh Metroid, and hopefully maybe they add something for say something else uh that's noted for Nintendo, say Pokemon <laughs> that uh oh yeah <laughs> that will stand out as being uh Nintendo oriented. But uh Yes, it definitely would be, you know, using the verticality of the land is definitely an awesome thing to use. Uh, And going through a pipe (laughs) when you come into the land and whatnot is definitely, and would be an awesome thing for uh, the land because that's definitely going to add to the immersion of being in a uh, Nintendo or mario oriented land so yes i definitely agree on those points
0: totally man so you in your opinion so far it looks like a hit
1: oh yes i mean 100 anything labeled nintendo in japan is going to be a hit but i think it's going to be a hit for the rest of the world once the world is opened up for travel and whatnot so i think this is this is just going to get people wanting to go to Japan to experience this, but then also looking forward to it coming over to the U.S. So, yes, yeah, definitely hit.
0: Well, it certainly looks like uh, construction has been continuing throughout this whole process. So initially it was supposed to be open for summer. So hopefully it's not too far delayed from that. It seems like maybe it won't be. But uh, but we'll see. I'm sure once, uh, once they make that announcement that Universal Studios Japan is back open, that that announcement about Nintendo World will not be that far behind. One can hope. <laughs> well, that just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you like what you hear and want us to keep making content just like this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and hit that like button. This has been episode 18 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Henry, take care, big guy. You too. Stay healthy, everybody. Yes, everybody stay healthy, please.